What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here. I have a very special guest. I have Ken Babcock on today. Check this out. He was helping scale at Uber through data science and product. He met his co-founders at Harvard Business School. Then they later dropped out midway through to start Tango, where he secured investors that invested in Slack. And he breaks down his viral growth strategy that they used to scale to 125,000 users in nine months. You're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Ken Babcock. Ken is the co-founder and CEO of Tango which is allows users to create beautiful step-by-step tutorials. He used to be the former product lead and data scientist at Uber. Also met his two co-founders at Harvard Business School, dropped out and decided to start Tango, which is awesome. And then on top of it, um, with Tango's launch, uh, they actually had, had some really great accolades in 21. Product of the day on Product Hunt, Product of the Week on Product Hunt, and one of the finalists for Product Hunt's Product of the Year. Ken, welcome, man. Happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, dropping out of dropping out of Harvard, that's like the coolest line, you know, that we could possibly <laughs> have, right? Like that's that's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's giving the big middle finger to the institution and saying, I, I I don't need you. I could do it myself. I'm smart enough. I don't need to pay, what is it, like a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever for school there or something it's, like that? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't remind me. Um, so anyways, and you know, I love the fact you guys, if, if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see this in the background. Ken's got a, a lot of really cool albums hanging up behind him. And I think it was funny. I went to a concert last weekend, which you saw, I, and I told Ken this, I, I saw Motley Crue and Poison and Def Leppard. And, um, one of the things as I was in the concert, granted, I had a, I had a couple cocktails in me. But I'm like, you know what? Founders and CEOs are basically like the combination of a rock star, a mythical creature, and a superhero all wrapped into one. And so that was one of the things that went through my head because you got to be the front man. You, you have to be just totally and completely different. But then you have to work insane hours and sacrifice a lot in order to help other people. So that's why I came up with that. What do you, what do you think about it, Ken? It's the first time I'm saying it publicly, so. Yeah, you know, we we can definitely workshop this one. I, you know, I to to say that I'm a rock star would be a bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> probably need like a new hairdo, less collared shirts, like. Uh, but you know, to your point around having to do a lot, having to be the front man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I I get that. Yeah. All right. So we could we could workshop. We'll we'll we won't take the time today because I I want to share with you Ken's story. So. Um, but before we do that, let's do a real quick revenue rundown. So, Ken, can you give us a stage, um, an understanding in terms of revenue stage, in terms of what series you're in, and then we'll take it from there? Yeah, so we just raised our Series A. Uh, we raised uh, $14 million Series A, announced that last month. We actually closed the deal in, in April, um, you know, right before a lot of people were talking about sort of a market downturn. So it was really, really good timing for us. Um, so post-Series A, 25 people on the team. Uh, 125,000 users of Tango. Still, still very early stage, but uh, starting to scale. That's fantastic. And 
so that's your stage. That's your um, number of people. Um, you're obviously VC backed, which is one of the other things. What's your primary go to market for growing revenue? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, one thing that's been super interesting for us is um, just the referral driven nature of Tango. Uh, so for, you know, for background on Tango, you know, we're allowing people to basically create step-by-step tutorials in the flow of work. So you go through your process, you use your tools. We're in the background creating that documentation. We always talk about how documentation is a team sport. You're creating it for somebody else. Maybe you're referencing it later, but it's it's for someone else. And so there's this co- collaborative element to Tango that brings a lot of users onto the platform. Um, and so referrals has been huge for us. And then similar to referrals, we've actually leaned pretty heavily into influencer marketing. Um, so folks who will try out Tango feel really strongly about the product and actually do like a testimonial um, on their you know channel of choice, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and that you know serves as kind of an endorsement that brings more and more people onto the platform. We're we're a product led growth company, so for us, it's all about how do we get that top of funnel um, and how do we cast as wide of a net as possible, and then working kind of that that pipeline in, in a sales assist model. Love that. So in this, this just came up on one of the previous episodes. Actually, I recorded it yesterday. Um, and, and so my question for you is then how do you compensate those, those influencer or influencer marketing? Are you paying them for a shout out? Are you doing the ambassador equity model? What's kind of your strategy for that? Yeah. So it's, it's, it varies. Um, you know, depending on the influencer and their reach, uh, their their following, you know, they typically have sort of a pricing model. So we'll pay maybe for a video here and there, or maybe a series of videos. Um, you know, really just depends on how they want to do it. Uh, you know, I think what's been what's been interesting about it is that you know, for us, it's it's not necessarily been okay. The influencer that has the biggest following is going to be is going to do the best for us. It's actually people that are tapping into you know, very targeted, very focused personas. Um, I mean, it's kind of similar to running a business. You can't be, you know, everything for everyone. You have to, you have to have focus. And so, you know, for some of these influencers, uh, you know, they may have 20, 25,000 followers, but, you know, create a video on Tango that can go into the millions of views, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. I think that's, that's a really cool strategy. And it's funny because, it literally just came up yesterday with a similar but different model. So I, I love that. <clears throat> um, okay. So, and, and you want to walk through real quick your solution in, in a couple sentences so people have some context on exactly what it does. Because I think when we did it in the pregame show, you did an awesome job of describing it to me very succinctly. And I, I think there's massive value to it. So love for you to share that. Absolutely. So we're, we're a browser extension. We also have a desktop app basically allows you to create documentation in the flow of work. So all you have to do is click start capture, go through your process, use the tools that you use. Tango's in the background, basically creating a step-by-step tutorial of everything you just did. So we create descriptions, sequencing, we pull the links from the pages that you were on, we take screenshots. And then once you're done with your process and you click end capture, we actually allow you to edit it all in one place. And so gone are the days of, you know, taking a bunch of screenshots, throwing them in a Word doc, adding your own descriptions, trying to pull links together. Um, we're basically creating a canvas for you to do that all on your own. So 
I love that. How, how does it do all that work in the background? Because that seems pretty complex and in, like there's a lot of subjectivity involved with it. So how does that happen? Yeah, so basically we're able to, um, you know, through Google Chrome and, and, and through, you know, what's called the DOM of your computer, uh, we actually can read the actions that you're doing. So that is, you know, a part of permissioning that's required to use Tango. And so every click, type, drag, drop, copy, paste, anything you do that triggers an action on our end. And then, you know, we basically automatically capture a screenshot when that action is taken. Um, and to come up with the descriptions and the URLs, we're actually reading sort of the HTML, of the page, you know, if you've ever gone on a website, right clicked and, and, and said inspect element that opens up the CSS and HTML. And that's how we kind of come up with our description. So, you know, it's packaging a lot of stuff that's, freely available, but disparate um, today and, and and putting it all in one product. That is so cool. I didn't even know that. Um, so I love that. I, I think that's that's wild. So, all right. <clears throat> I could talk about this all day and nerd out on it. So we're, we'll probably go back and nerd out on it. Um, but I just think that's that's super clean. And you're right. It's, it's information available. It's just disparate and it takes a lot of time. So it's really nailing that down. Um, and so, okay, so let's, let's look at this a little bit differently. So let's, let's hear about your story that you took to get here. Cause I think you have an awesome path and it's unique and different. And so I'd love for you to share that because I think it could be inspiring for those that want to make the jump from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial life. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I started my career at Deloitte consulting in New York. Um, it was a great, sort of foundational experience for me. I was only there a year, but, you know, learned a lot about how businesses run and, and, you know, what types of processes and systems allow businesses to run at, at hyperscale. I mean, these are really big clients, um, that Deloitte's working with, but then I got an opportunity to actually join Uber out in San Francisco at the HQ in, in 2014 during a period of, you know, tremendous growth. I mean, kind of the motto at the time was like, grow at all costs. And, um, you know, we were scaling headcount, we were scaling cities, like, uh, the business itself within markets that we were already in was scaling. And so I joined a team that was focused on sort of launch operations. Um, and I was specifically doing analytics there. And what, what we were tasked with was taking like the Uber playbook from the markets that we had already launched and applying it to all of these new markets. So when you talk about mm. documentation, you know, that playbook ran, you know, 500, 600 markets <laughs> at Uber. Wow. Um, I actually launched Miami there with, with a small team um, and then helped out a bunch when we were launching in India and China. And, and my role was basically, you know, all these tactics that we're doing across these cities, how do we collect those and then validate them through data to say, hey, this is actually this is what works and it's going to work in your market. Um, so it was a fantastic way to just get up to speed on on Uber, understand how documentation can can really power a generational company um, and, you know, build out some of my skill set. And that, that's really also where, like, I got this, like, entrepreneurial spirit it was from Uber. It was very much a culture of the best ideas win. I mean, it was a culture of a lot of things that are well documented, but you know, the silver lining of that was, you know, people were really empowered to take action on opportunities or challenges. And so I knew that I always wanted to start a business. 
I saw a lot of my colleagues leave Uber, have success starting their own businesses, tapping into their experience in the Uber network. Um, so when I left Uber, I actually went to an incubator called Atomic. Uh, I called that kind of my, my founding with training wheels experience. I wasn't quite confident enough yet that I could go do this on my own. And, and that was a great way for me to pick up a lot of like the zero to one. You know, how do you start something from nothing and, and try to get it <laughs> to something? Uh, but it was during that time I also decided to go to Harvard Business School. I had gotten in. Um, I felt like that would be a great way for me to take a step back, reevaluate what I was really passionate about and and focus on that from you know kind of an entrepreneurial perspective. And that's where I met my co-founders, Brian and Dan. Uh, we were introduced through mutual friends. We became fast friends ourselves and then quickly realized that we were all at school for the same reasons. Like we wanted to do something entrepreneurial, whether it was like join an early team, found something ourselves. Um, Dan was an investor at General Catalyst where he was investing in early stage companies. Brian has had that entrepreneurial bug his whole career. Um, he had founded two companies before school, learned a lot from those experiences. And, and so we just started talking about ideas. I mean, it was like, I think every Friday we'd get together in, uh, in our dorm room uh, and just you know, throw some things up on a whiteboard and basically say, okay, what, what do we like? What do we don't like? And that's really where this like passion for team performance emerged. And we started talking about, okay, well, what makes teams tick? What makes high performers tick? Why, you know, why does high performance exclusive to those people, but not to the rest of the team? And that's when we really honed in on the fact that like documentation within organizations it's a really high barrier. It's, it's there's this burden of creating, maintaining, updating it, fielding questions from people. And it's really clunky. And so, you know, for us, we, we kind of said, how do we lower that barrier? How do we make this more of a passive experience such that when a process change, when a tool changes, you don't have to go back to the article, make all these updates, you know, respond to people's messages about things being broken. You just create a new tango. And so that's really where that was born. And then you know, we were in our first year, uh, sort of 2019, 2020, obviously the pandemic came and the customers that we had been talking to about this idea went from, oh, that sounds really cool to like, we need this yesterday um, because their teams had gone distributed and remote. They were training people uh, remotely for the first time. And so that was kind of a call to action to, for us. So we dropped out of Harvard Business School went out, raised our seed round in the, in the fall of 2020. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we've, we've now have raised our series a, but I've also grown the team to 25. Um, and, you know, I've just taken the past two years at at kind of hyper speed with Tango, um, growing to 125,000 users launching on product hunt. Like you said, um, there's just been a lot of really great momentum. And I think, you know, this category has been super interesting for, uh, remote and distributed teams, uh, especially teams that are starting to get sick of screen recordings. Um, cause what we're doing is we're actually making that a lot easier, a lot easier to follow along, less performance art, um, and, and codifying a lot of, you know, what are the steps that you're taking? What are the tools that you're using within your organization? So, wow. Love that, man. Yeah. So here's the thing, since, since your co-founders, cause I, and there's a ton we could take from that and, dissect and talk about like 50 different ways. But one thing that, that was just curious to me is, is why did you get chosen as a CEO when your co-founders had multiple, it sounds like 
times of experience in terms of founding companies or creating companies? Yeah, it's a good question. So Brian or is our CTO, he comes from more of a technical background. Okay. Um, you know, and Dan through his experience in venture and investing in companies, you know, was really excited about kind of the commercial side of the business. Um, you know, for me thinking about the CEO, you know, I was a manager at a really early age in my time at Uber. I think I was 24 and I became a manager of a team of seven. And so, you know, that for me was kind of learning that managerial and leadership skill set um, without a ton of training, probably learning it the hard way. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just sort of a role that I think I gravitated to. And, you know, for the three of us, the discussion on how we would split responsibilities and what roles we would fall into was, was pretty seamless. Um, that's awesome. I think we talked yeah. about it over dinner and just it made sense. And, and that's how we move forward. Okay. Love it. That's, that's really cool. I, I, I mean, it sounds like it's a really natural fit working with them as well, just with how it started in the dorm room and which is funny because it's like the adult dorm room, right? It's not like real college. You're like, more of an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. More, okay. The dorm room sounds better though. You know, it's, it's got more of that, you know, Facebook starting type kind of approach to <laughs> yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Except so, we were all 28, 29. <laughs> yeah. So you're a little older. You're really college with money. It's a big difference. So, um, so here's the thing that, that I'm curious with. And I, I know when we talked you mentioned it's a freemium model. Um, freemium model to grow into product payment, right? Um, so, like, how do you get 125,000 users? And, and when did you launch? You launched in November of last year? Uh, so we launched our paid plans in November. We okay. launched the actual product in September. So it's it's been, you know, call it 10 months um, since we launched. You know, I, th- I think one thing that uh, has been pretty powerful for us is sort of the collaborative loops. I mean, that's that's why we're sort of a product-led company is that there is this, you know, there is this acute pain point that creators of documentation feel. They might not be synonymous with what the buyer is for software at a company, but they are someone who's going to invest in their own productivity. And so being product-led for us is more about how do you reach that end user more quickly and get them to adopt and try the product. Um, and, you know, once they try the product, this collaborative loop around documentation, you know, being a team sport is that, you know, when you're creating documentation, it may be for you, it's probably for somebody else too. Um, and that brought a lot of people onto the platform too. So, you know, the referral driven elements of it have been really powerful. Um, and, you know, we sort of tapped into that and looked at that and saw, oh, okay, like people are showing each other tango, they're growing it within their organizations um, influencer marketing might be really in- interesting for us too, because that, you know, sort of evokes this like testimonial, Hey, I found something here. You should try it. You know, it sort of feels referral in nature. Um, and so that was something that we, uh, we tapped into and, and has helped us grow the user base a ton.
Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter. Check out other free content resources I have there. And let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. All right, Ken. So, you know, you launched in October of 21. Then you did your first paid product November of 21. And we're sitting here in July, right? So we're, we're middle of July. So we're basically talking six and I don't know, eight months, eight and a half months, nine months, depending on what time frame you're looking at. How did you grow to 125,000 users in nine months? Yeah. So, I mean, we're firmly a product led company. And, and, and the reason for doing that is, you know, the, the pain point felt around documentation, it's most acutely felt by that end user who may not be the same as, you know, someone buying software for the company. That's who we targeted with a lot of our messaging. Uh, that's who we, you know, targeted in our product hunt launch. Um, and the nice thing about that is, you know, with those users, uh, there's a collaborative loop around documentation. They create documentation, you know, they might be referencing it themselves, but they're largely creating documentation to share with other people to say, hey, here's my process. Here's how you should replicate it. Um, and that collaborative loop also drove, you know, just a ton of, of new users in um, who, who saw Tango. Someone shared it with them and then they wanted to sign up, which was amazing. And so once once we started seeing that, you know, we said, OK, well, what are some mediums or what are some marketing channels that look similar to that where somebody's, you know, testimonial or endorsement is actually driving acquisition of new users. And so that's where we leaned into influencer marketing. Um, There's a lot happening in sort of the productivity influencer space. Um, And that was something where, you know, we leaned in there and said, okay, what are some communities that we want to tap into? And, you know, who are those communities looking to, to, you know, tell them what tools they need to be using. Um, And given our price point, you know, we're, 20 bucks a month or 16 bucks a month if you pay annually up front. Um, with that price point, you know, we knew that certain users, wh- while they may not be the buyer within their organization, they will spend that much to save themselves, you know, meaningful hours each week. Uh, and so, you know, that's where we've seen a lot of the growth is through that that collaborative loop, the, the referral-driven acquisition and, and influencer marketing. Okay, so... I love that. And um, so it's kind of like what Slack did, right? So how they, they basically, yep. by nature, it's natural to collaborate through that platform. They got 97% of their users through referrals. So <clears throat> it sounds like it's like a similar motion. Would you agree? Yeah. And when we talked to, uh, we actually talked to Slack Fund during our Series A, um, they saw a lot of the parallels. You know, so we, we were showing them just some data and, and what was happening and uh, how we were <laughs> almost, I think we maybe came at it a little more dumbfounded than we should have. But, uh, you know, they looked that, at that and said, oh, that's, you know, that's really similar to what we experienced. Um, and so they they actually invested in our Series A. Um, they're obviously now a part of Salesforce. So we get to tap into the, the knowledge of the Slack team, but also the knowledge of, of the Salesforce That's team. awesome. Okay. It's coming full circle. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it totally makes sense. So, um. What's your, so what's your referral K factor then? Uh, so it's, it's tough from an attribution standpoint to like 
pinpoint the actual metric. Um, but you know, when we look at sort of that like same domain growth, um, when we look at that like in a given week, uh, same domain being you know someone has that email address, and then we have new users signing up with email addresses that already exist. Uh, that'll make up somewhere between kind of forty and sixty percent of our our weekly signups. Um, so it's 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 a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful sort of momentum that we see with. Yeah, teams. I would say that. I mean, anything over one is kind of hitting that virality mark. So that's, and I'd have to do the math on it because I'm I'm not super sharp on it right now. But I think that's absolutely amazing. So, um, and then you're tapping into kind of the same, I don't know, growth strategy that that Slack's using, which I absolutely love. And I was going to ask, like, what's your single best strategy for growing? But I, I want to go deeper on this because this is exactly what I was going to ask. So, um, so give me an example of like an influencer that would be in your space, and then like a community example, uh, just so people can can crystallize what you're talking about and and apply this to to their own business. Yeah. So for us, you know, we we focused on a few different personas, and so uh, you know, obviously today it's 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 very horizontal. There's a lot of teams, roles, companies that have a need for documentation. But the one that we've seen really powerful is actually customer support teams. They're constantly training and onboarding people. Um, there tends to be a lot of churn in those teams, a lot of tools that are being used. The nature of their work was actually often remote and distributed even before the pandemic. And so having that asynchronous communication is really critical. Um, and they also tend to be like the recipient recipients of changes within the company. So a product changes, a process changes, pricing changes. Those need to be like disseminated to those support teams. And those people need to turn on a dime to be able to answer, you know, customer questions around those things. You know, they need to be kind of the stewards of the company. And so knowing that, you know, we, we've we kind of focused on that group. Um, they've shown really strong engagement on the platform. And so, you know, some of the influencers that, that we've leaned into um, – there's a there's a great uh, one that we've partnered with who's done a couple of videos. Her name is uh, Ariana Tanai, and she's she's an operations manager. And so you know, customer support folks they tend to you know be lumped into kind of that operations category within any business. Um, and you know, Ariana's videos on TikTok were incredibly well received. I mean, I think she got you know close to like a million views. Wow. Um, and we had some of our best weeks when she was creating videos for us. Um, so her audience was very targeted and actually somewhat narrower than you would think. Uh, I think she had like 20,000 followers when we, when we started engaging with her. Um, but because the content was so relevant, it actually helped her presence out a, a bunch too. Um, so we've, we've continued working with her, um, just to get the word out. That's awesome, man. I, I love that. I, I think that's, um, that's, I mean, just just <clears throat> so much goodness to unpack just with growth and then <clears throat> tapping into it. Have you heard of like what's called the Dream 100 strategy at all? Uh, you know, you I actually haven't. haven't. What's that? <clears throat> okay. So it's funny because it's, it's a book. It was written in a book in like, it was like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it's from, called The Ultimate Sales Machine, right? It's by a guy named Chet Holmes. And he talks about, he got hired actually as the VP of sales tour for Charlie Munger, uh, which is, you know, Warren Buffett company. Right. Yeah. And so Charlie hired him. It was for advertising. And basically what he did is he sent gifts 
for the he realized that basically the, the top 10% of companies spent 80, 90% of the revenue. So all he did was just pound the heck out of that top 10% and just really narrowly focus on it. And what ended up happening is of those 400 customers that spent or 400 companies that spent the 90% of revenue, they ended up getting all 400 of them over the next three, four years just by relentlessly pursuing them. So um, the new age or the next generation of it, when it's in a non-direct sales format, is doing the same thing with influencers and communities, right? Just like tapping into those and hitting those, um, stack ranking them in kind of the same way and approaching it the same way. So you get that virality by leveraging their network and the audience that they already built. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like we, we've gotten this advice from investors, advisors, you know, that, that focus is so critical, especially on a small team. Like you can only do so much, uh, you know, it's not, it's not something where like you can say, okay, you know what, we're going to go after everybody and everything. And day one, it's like, well, you're, you can't do that. Your team is 10 people <laughs> like pick one and go for it, develop some customer love, and then you can scale. Yeah. Well, unfortunately we're, we are up on time. So I, I want you to share, you know, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you and Tango and, and how can they get it? Yeah, I would say go to tango.us. That's our website um, or search on the Chrome store. So we're, you know, we're a Chrome extension. You can find us there. Uh, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it's a freemium model. So you can actually get started for free today um, and, uh, you know, no strings attached. So give it a shot. We're pretty confident it'll save you some time creating documentation. And, you know, we're compatible with, you know, a lot of the leading tools that you're probably already awesome well thanks for being on the episode ken it was awesome i love the uh success that you're having and i know you're gonna blow it up over the next few years just based on what you told me in your projection so thanks for being on thanks ryan thanks for having me thank you for checking out the scale up show my mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.